welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, where all things football are injected right to your veins. With your hosts, Matt Donnelly, Calvin Shoemake, and Jeff Mueller. What is up and welcome to a special edition of the Dynasty Vipers Team Spotlight Series. I've got my Chiefs jersey on, number 27. I think I'm surrounded by a few guys who might know who that is. And uh, we're excited to talk about some Chiefs today, spotlighting them, talking about previewing their offseason, a little bit about their history with the team. And uh, before I introduce who's here with us, just a quick, as I've done every show, quick reminder about why we're doing this. We get into this time of the of the year and everybody starts talking about rookies. And we should. It's good. We're the Dynasty Vipers. We want to talk about rookies and where and and how, how good they are and what their 40 time is and their vertical and all this good stuff. But none of it means anything if we don't understand the teams that they're gonna find themselves in. And we learned a little bit of a lesson about that last year with our first round pick for this very team. So before we get into that. I've got a just an all-star crew. I'm really excited about all, all these guys. Dan, I'm going to start with you. If you'll just give everybody, just tell them your name, where we can find you, and kind of what you're working on this offseason. Hey, everybody. My name is Daniel Harms. I work at a place that's called R- the RGR Football Channel on YouTube. A guy named Ryan Tracy runs the channel there. He's got a huge following of Chiefs fans. We do a lot of film work over there. Uh, now it's the offseason, so we're doing draft breakdowns every week, lots of mock drafts, and I also st- was writing at a place called arrowheadguys.com, but at, since this last season, I've now switched over to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I do film work for them as well. I'm doing a lot of offseason uh, free agent breakdowns, more draft breakdowns there, so you can find me there as well as the RGR Football Channel on YouTube. Man, I love that Astronauts channel, man. I For the first time, I'm kind of dipping my toes into doing some rookie uh, stuff. And yeah, it's a a great resource. So appreciate all the work that you guys are doing there. David, how about you, man? Where where can we find you? You got a lot of things going on. Cool (laughs) interviews yourself this year. Yeah, you can find me at Dmendio2 on Twitter. I'm everything triple play. That's the company brand we started. We do baseball, basketball, and football. That's why it's the triple play. And all offseason, we're trying to bring in awesome guests, whether they're fantasy related or not, we're trying to bring in athletes. That's what we kind of try to do on our show and kind of talk the real football with them as well. All off season, we're trying to do things, whether it's talking about rookies, whether it's reflecting on rankings and kind of planning ahead for next season. We don't take any weeks off. We have either interviews, fantasy analysis, draft talk, whatever you want. We have it all off season. So we just love the football grind. There's never an off season when it comes to this stuff. I love your um, your baseball stuff. Who's the coolest baseball guest that you have? Uh, you've had? Like talk about like an athlete? Yeah, like or, or just who was like a cool interview that you had on the baseball side? We had Oral Hershiser come on at the beginning of the pandemic last year. Dang, and it awesome. was, yeah, it was it was he was hilarious. I, I want to get him back on for a second time. Yeah, as someone who grew up in the Oral Hershiser like heyday, like I certainly that's awesome. <laughs> Laquan in the house. Laquan's been killing it lately too. Yeah, he has. See you, Laquan. And uh and Chiefs fan, I know is, is it okay to call you by your real name or I never know. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Mike's Mike, fine. what's up, man? <laughs> Pretty good. How's it going? Um I'm over at right now I'm over at going for two gf2.com. Um I'm helping them with dynasty and redraft in the offseason. 
I just had an article about Ramondre Stevenson come out, just a draft profile, just doing some of that stuff and more to come in the future with them. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys for joining us in here. We definitely have a lot of things that we're going to talk about. Um, I hope this works because I, Mike, especially for you, I wanted to load this in there. Hang on. Let's see if this works. This is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. Here we go. Wow. Yeah, I I couldn't help I saw that on your uh, on your page and I thought, man, we've got to make sure we pump that. I don't know many people doing TikTok stuff right now. I think that's TikTok, right? Yeah, yeah. that's TikTok. But that was great. If I was going to do one, I think that's, you know, I don't know if I got the courage to do that, but man, that was that was fantastic. Great work. I know that I don't. So good on you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I saw I got the not that idea, but I saw I know you guys all know saw the TikTok thing from P2W. Nick over at P2W has done a mm -hmm. couple TikToks. So I was going through and I decided to do it. And as of last night, it had 24,000 total views and I was blown away. That's impressive. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> Bill's fan, Jeff in the house. This show is like opening up, up a wound, but love you. I appreciate that. We love you too, Jeff. You're the best. <laughs> Um, that was a fun show too, by the way, go back and check out our bill show. Jeff was on that. So, uh, David, I want to start with you. So like, you know, obviously, uh, the Midwest is just such a cool place. And then that, in that area, I'm not sure exactly where you, where, where you live. I don't even know if people from there like to be called the Midwest. I'm not really sure. Maybe I should have asked that first, but, um, how, did you grow up a Chiefs fan? Like what's your history like with the, with the team, David? My story is very unique. I actually live in Maryland oh. and so I'm the area I grew up in is a heavy Redskins Washington football team area. And I started getting into football right around when I was in middle school, going into high school. And everybody knows Dan Snyder, how bad he runs the team, just how the organization up until pretty much this past year has just been a mess. And when I started following it more consistently, I'm, I'm pretty much a Maryland fan almost with every other sport, but I was like, I can't support this organization. So it was kind of a combination of one. It's like, it's another, the the Redskins, the Chiefs, they both had the Native American thing to it. And then I started watching the year that Larry Johnson was going off when he had the nine consecutive games of 100 plus mm -hmm. yards. I was like, this dude just beast. And I was just watching him and I saw the transition to Jamal Charles and and they were still bad at the time. And I'm never going to pick a team that's good when I start liking them. I was like, they're they're not the best team right now. And I was like, so I can at least say I started out when they weren't good. And as I've been riding it ever since. And the best part was nobody else I would know would be a Chiefs fan. Everybody would be, oh, a Vikings fan or I'm a Patriots fan. But there was no Chiefs fans around. So I felt kind of cool to be kind of my own little lane. And I've been riding it ever since. Is that the Trent Green era? Is that right, right about that time? Or is that? Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah it, okay. It's, yeah, right, right so, at the end of it. Pretty close yeah, right. then. Okay. Mike, what about you? What's your history like with the team? How long have you been rooting for them? Or just any any cool things that you remember? about rooting for so, the team so i'll probably be dating myself a little bit um <laughs> i became a, i became a fan because my dad started fantasy football in 1983 and he never had a team because he only chose players that were on his team so his best friend that lived four houses down grew up a Chiefs fan down in the lynn dawson days and him his son and me were the same age 
So the first games I remember were even pre Derek Thomas a little bit. Then when I really started becoming a fan was when they drafted Derek Thomas in the draft that they were supposed wanted to try to get the number one pick and didn't get Troy Aikman. And then all the way through the Joe Montana days, Steve DeBerg days. I mean, Steve DeBerg, all the 49er wash-ups, Steve DeBerg, Elvis Gerbach, Steve Bono, Barry Ward, Neil Smith. Um, probably my favorite all-time player has to be Tony Gonzalez. Mm. Down. And then the other story that I hate saying is I live in California, about four and a half, five hours north of San Diego. I was unfortunately at the game that Priest Holmes got knocked out cold by Sean Marion, Ooh. which ended the Priest Holmes era, but started the Larry Johnson era. Yeah, so good. Lots of history there. Probably remember all the, you know, it would, uh, did you mention Elvis Gerbach? That was yeah. always my favorite. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dan, what about you? What's your history like with the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, my, my story is kind of unique as well. I'm born and raised in Michigan, so I have Michigan sports fan everywhere else. I'm a Michigan fan, uh, Red Wings fan, Tigers fan, but my parents lived in Missouri when they watched most of their football, so my dad, every time that they, they got on national TV in Michigan, we would watch the Chiefs, and I grew up in the – when I started watching football, it was really the Priest-Holmes era, and running back was one of my – my, my favorite positions I even wanted to be at. Granted, I'm now I'm 6'5", so being a running back for my position is not exactly going to be something you can do. So when I was like in middle school, I'm trying to transition to a running back, and I'm like taller than everybody else. You can see where I'm going with the football. Like, it doesn't work that way. So we had uh, Priest Holmes, then we went to Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, and I naturally loved Tony Gonzalez. So growing mm -hmm. up, I just – I loved these players – and they had such great history with running back. Like we get to see all of these guys coming up. And even now with Clyde Edwards, who you mentioned earlier, and a lot of people jumped off that bandwagon pretty early. But I mean, we'll talk more about that later. But the running backs always had a, a soft spot in my heart. And the, the progression that they've had with their running backs, tr truly great running backs, is one of the things that really stuck with me. So I've always carried it with me through even to now. And it's just been an incredible opportunity for me to not only – write about them but actually watch film and break it down it's so incredible yeah that's that's awesome man that's um uh, you're in a very safe place for can for uh clyde edwards Hilaire love i'm an lsu fan who loves <laughs> uh clyde edwards Hilaire, so you're you're safe here to talk good about him as much as you want no okay, hate for me <laughs> do you guys ever wonder what it would have been like to have jamal charles with patrick mahomes yeah i, I wonder that mm. yeah. too often actually yeah it hurt. It like haunts me every day. Like, <laughs> absolutely. I, so 2020, Mike, I guess what was obviously 14 and two. I mean, one every game that you wanted to win other than one and then obviously one at the very end there. But uh, I mean, that was a lot of great things happen. I mean, obviously didn't end on the note that you wanted, but that's that's 31 teams don't get crowned the champion. I mean, Kansas City certainly would, be, would have been the best of the rest for sure. I mean, for me, it, the biggest thing is for being a fan for so long and going through the hardships of having three, four win years. I mean, getting up there all the way again. I mean, yeah, I was saying run it back all year, but I'll, I hate to say it, but I'll, I'll take a Super Bowl loss over what we've had in the past 15, 20, or, you know, before Alex Smith came any day. <laughs> That's a good point. No doubt. Uh, David, how about you? 2020? Like what was, what was, what do you like when you think about 2020, what do you think about with the uh, chiefs? 
You know, it's to be honest, it's the first season that I watched and I wasn't riding my emotion on every single game. After the year they won the Super Bowl, every game I'm watching, I'm getting super pumped up. But this year it was like, okay, we're supposed to win every game. Like I, I found myself not getting too invested until the playoffs came. And the first moment that I actually started sweating was when Patrick Mahomes got the concussion against the Browns. And I was like, holy crap, this is what it feels like to be mortal again. Because with Patrick Mahomes, you don't even you forget that. Like when he's in there, you're like, you're winning every game. And uh, I, I mean, I, I was assuming all year I was like, it's Super Bowl or bust. And to be honest with you, I, I was very like, I would love to have seen what it was like with Eric Fisher in there. Um, but I think we all knew that without... Eric Fisher in their backup offensive lineman, Mitchell Schwartz wasn't playing. Um, I was amazed what he was able to do in that Super Bowl. And uh, it, it sucks getting all the way in there and losing, but we know every single year with Patrick Mahomes, we're going to be a contender. It's a good place to be. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, 43 years old, like the, the guy on the other side, right? I mean, it's, sure. you know, you're going to be good for a long time. Uh, Dan, how about you? I mean, like just coming off of a 2019 Super Bowl win probably makes 2020 the way it ended a little bit better. It is, especially when you consider the injuries that the Chiefs sustained up until the Super Bowl. Like they played with their backup right tackle 90% of the year. They had a makeshift interior offensive line without LDT. And then you get a simile going, going down a center who everyone likes to talk about as a good center who's actually not very good. And people just kind of like, <laughs> think the Austin Riders okay, but he's not. He's really bad. Mm -hmm. um, so you really look at the interior there, and you're just like, well, why are they getting all this pressure? Well, it's because they're not a very good offensive line. They don't have tackles. They already didn't have very good interior. So, But for me, this, this entire year was really about Travis Kelsey and how – he was just on this trajectory of having, you know, he was going to be a really, really good tight end, but he just cemented himself as going to be the greatest all-time tight end. He's he got Patrick Mahomes, and they're going to continue playing for the next five or six years. I imagine he's going to have at least five more years of a thousand yard plus potential, probably double did touchdowns as well. Like he's on literally on pace to be the greatest tight end of all time. And it's not talked about enough. It's just not. <laughs> Are you only saying that because Gonzo left for Atlanta? Like, if he had stayed in Kansas City, would you be saying that still? Yes, I would still be saying because I think that he's already one of the greatest of all time, if not right. the greatest. I love Tony Gonzalez. I got no issues with him going no, to get a kidding. ring. Like, I got no issues with it. Try to go get a ring whenever you can. But we, we're watching Travis Kelsey just do something that's never been done before. It just doesn't get talked about enough. Um, Dave, let me just ask you, like, we're, obviously we're talking about 2020 and, like, talking about the offensive line. Uh, Andy Reid is a tremendous coach. I mean, one of the best in the NFL, obviously. It, genius offensive mind. Um, can forget sometimes that he has a running back. Are, are there things that he could do to help the line and help his quarterback, help you know some of that situation by not forgetting that he's got people that can run the ball? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, in the Super Bowl, they got down. So I think that was the reason they kind of abandoned it. But Andy Reid and, and the whole Chiefs philosophy has been for a long time. They haven't been investing in their O-line. They pretty much draft guys. And then when their contracts are up, they let them go. Mitch, Mitch uh, Morse last year or two years ago when uh, he was one of the top centers on the market, signed with Buffalo. He was one of the top rated centers when he played with us. We had Rodney Hudson, who was a, a monster of a guard, signed with the Raiders. I mean, we've had so many good linemen just pop in and out. The only ones we really signed were Fitch, uh, Fisher and Schwartz. And when they broke down, that's what we were left with, just patchwork guys. I, I think they might have to start looking and investing in the O-line, and that's going to help the running backs even more so. 
during the year, I, I think it could also incorporate a little bit more into just to take pressure off of Mahomes. But I think Andy Reid's a West Coast guy, and that's just how he's always liked to play. I'm very interested to see what CEH does this offseason. Not necessarily if he needs to bulk up or anything, but Damian Williams is going to come back. So you know he's going to get mixed in. So maybe when they have two running backs that they trust very much so that they'll they'll run the ball more. But uh, I, I do think that needs to be some adaption in their approach because uh, if you're going to try to make it back for a third time, you got to do things a little differently. Uh, Mike, are you on a scale of one to ten? What's your confidence level in Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and the the rest of the staff there? I mean, my confidence level in them is like an eight or a nine, but I completely agree with Dave on this one. I mean. They got to do something with that O line. I understand that was the issue in the Super Bowl, and we all know that. But this isn't the first time we've had issues on the O line. And with Ardif opting out, and like he said, Schwartz earlier, and other guys, I mean, I think I looked at it. I know we're going to talk about free agency later on, but I looked at it today. I think we have a total of like five or six guys that are unrestricted free agents on the offensive line alone. Mm. And if you don't upgrade and do something there, you're not going to be able to – if you don't do that, having a great quarterback, having a great running game, it's not going to matter if you can't protect them. I mean, Seattle's proven that right now. There's some potential um, potential moves that might have to be made, some potential very difficult ones, and uh, $18 million over the cap can put you in a position – it's not as bad as my Saints, who are like 100 – million over the cap or whatever they are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it looks like, I mean, people are talking about maybe Tyron Matthew or like, are, Dan, are, what, what are you hearing around? Like, what could be done to help this team be a player in free agency? Yeah, so there's one thing that sticks off right the bat. Patrick Mahomes has a $17 million signing bonus, a roster bonus. So you can just convert that right to a signing bonus and get it off the books. And now you're left with a few other things you can do. You can restructure Frank Clark's contract. You can extend Matthew and push some of his money down. They have a lot of different options they can do with players that are already on the team and restructuring and extending. And they can also cut some players who are just kind of there. Dan Sorensen, in my opinion, should just not be back on the team. Just go away. I don't want you back. You're really kind of useless. And I know a lot of people love the clutch plays that he makes, but outside of what he does in that aspect, he's very useless off on the field, especially if you use him as a single high safety, which Spags, for some reason, likes to do. He doesn't have the sideline to sideline speed to be able to play there. So they're, they have options already, like immediately to get their net, their over the cap number down to allow, allow them to play in free agency. They have these big uh uh, these big contracts that they can restructure, push more money down. We assume that the cap is going to explode in the next few years with those new money deals. So th they really set themselves up, especially with the Mahomes contract, to mess around early on to allow them some time and uh, creativity with, with the way that the cap has been you know, hurt the last year. And you really kind of have to – like. You, we really are putting a lot of eggs in the basket of the cap is going to go up, right? Because like I did, I did a little bit of a deep dive into that. But no, you're not, you're not unhappy with Mahomes. Obviously, you're going to keep Mahomes for a oh, long yeah, time. Sure. But it's like at some point you're paying him fifty million dollars. Like, can you surround a team around a guy that you're paying fifty million dollars to? And that's kind of the thing that I just talked about. Like the contract structure itself is so creative that even in that year that they're paying him $50 million, they can move things around. They can also mm -hmm. extend him after. Like they have a lot of wiggle room within his contract that it was team friendly in the sense that it gave them 
room to move around money for the entirely length of the contract. So, and you also can figure, I know a lot of Chiefs fans are going to want to hear this. You can still trade Chris Jones. We don't want to, but his contract is 100% tradable and it leaves no money on the book. So that's an option. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not something we all want to see, but worst comes to worst, you can actually do that and, and relieve that 20 plus million dollar contract hit that would be this year. Uh, Mike, I'm going to toss it to you and just like you mentioned Chris Jones and he was quoted because the guy that he really has looked up to and wants to see play there is J.J. Watt. That was uh, one of the articles that I read and they're making a strong play. Obviously, he's talked about how quarterback is a strong need. I think he would fit right in with a State Farm commercial with Pat Mahomes. <laughs> so, Mike, what do you think? Like, you think there's a chance that J.J. Watt ends up there in Kansas City? I mean, I saw that, too. I saw what you were talking about. What Chris said, I saw a little bit earlier, a couple like a week ago, that it could be a possibility. I think he's gonna have to take less money from the Chiefs than he would, like, say, a Buffalo or a Tennessee. But if he wants to be a winner, come to <laughs> us, I will take him. I mean, if he wants to win and he wants to take a little bit less, and we can, you know, like Dan said, structure stuff around. So that's one of the pieces we get. I mean, not just Chiefs fans, everyone knows that the defense does need improvement overall. And if that's part of the improvement, I'll take it any day. Yeah, you guys, I guess, David, J.J. Watt, I mean, is that like a guy that if you had to draw up a perfect fit, I mean, obviously offensive line, but it does seem like somebody that can help get pressure the way that he would and run stop the way he would would be a huge, huge help to the defense, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you're adding J.J. Watt, even if he's a half of the guy he used to be, is a huge upgrade for our defensive line. Uh, to be honest, I mean... Again, he'd have to take a huge pay cut to come here. But again, like Mike was saying, if he wants to be a winner, he should come here. And I don't think enough gets said about Brett Veach because he is such he is so smart with how he does these deals and how he structures these contracts. I think you can tell the difference between the GMs that know what they're doing and know how to move money around and the ones that don't. And he's the one that knows how to do this. So whenever he makes deals... I'm very much like, okay, like he has like, this is right now he's on step A, but he already has steps B, C, D, E already all planned out for how he's going to make sure we fit under the cap, how things can be structured. So I actually like, it's, it's very interesting how people don't talk about it enough, but I think everybody, every Chiefs fan is very confident with how he handles the salary cap. I, I'm going to, and uh, Dan, you already mentioned a little bit about that. I mean, so I, I think that you're right. When you have a GM that you trust to be able to make moves like that, like you, you're in a good spot because they're not going to put you in a bad situation where you got these bad contracts and, you know, hopefully they find a way to wiggle out of it. The fact that they're 18 million over is not like a huge deal. Like I think when you dig in and see the room that they have and the unrestricted free agents, you mentioned some of them on the offensive line, Mike, but Dan, like, I mean, there's a couple of guys too here, like, uh, Anthony Sherman, you got Sammy Watkins, just, you know, not necessarily guys that are um, superstars, but do seem to play like Andy Reid likes to have them on the team and in the offense. Is that guys you hope that they bring back? Yeah, so Anthony Sherman's a guy that's going to be on this team for as long as he wants to play because he's already made it a point. I don't care how much I'm making. As long as I'm playing football for Kansas City, he's pretty much going to be on the team as long as he can still play. And the fact that he can still do some of the things that fullbacks can't do in the NFL, like run a wheel route and catch it over some defender's head, <laughs> that's always a plus for a fullback. And I've been a huge supporter of Sammy Watkins being on the team, but this past year, 
if you're not going to take less than five million to a year to play for me, I, I'm personally I'm out now because you're now missing playoff games, and he was clearly not even close to 100 percent in the Super Bowl, and he had one catch I think in that game. Like you have to have the ability to impact the Super Bowl in the playoffs, like he did in the two previous seasons, to you know command a little bit more money, like he had been. You know he was most of it was tied up in incentives this past year but he was still making like 14 million dollars uh for his his contract so you you can't be as good as he is when he's on the field for this offense you need to be there more times than not in the postseason to really warrant me wanting you to be on the team for that that number so i would like to see him back at a much smaller number but i know that there's a lot of uh people out there that are wide receiver needy and if he can get a one-year contract somewhere else to, to prove that he can stay healthy which at this point in his career i'm not sure he can i mean go for it i think that they're going to do something else to help bolster this offense every now and then somebody will say something that just makes me want to just chase a rabbit here and i and i want to kind of want to chase this rabbit and mike i'll toss this to you like sammy watkins is an unrestricted free agent. And I think a lot of people think McCole Hardman is just going to slot in there. No. Why Why hasn't he been able to overtake him? Yeah, you guys are shaking your head. Yeah. No. I, like, I, mm-hmm. I, when I watch, I'm like, I, I don't think Andy Reid trusts him. Like, what, what, like, is there any, any insight from following the team that you, that Mike will start with you that you have on McCole Hardman, why he hasn't taken that next step? And I'll start off by saying I agree 100% with Dan. Sammy Watkins can go bye bye this year. I just don't <laughs> see him staying. I think he's gone, and I think Demarcus Robinson is probably going to go and try to get a bigger, get some money or more playing time. But back to Hardman, I mean, we all got to remember that the reason, one of the main reasons they drafted Hardman in the beginning was we thought Tyreek Hill was going to be in trouble with the law and probably not on the team. And that was the draft. That's when they drafted him. They drafted him more of not of a replacement for Hill, but just in case Hill couldn't play. Hill gets off, you know, Hill gets cleared comes back he hasn't done anything to prove that he's a number two i mean is he i think he might be more of a returner and a trick player he's not a, a big number two he's more of another type of hill player um i want a i think we need a bigger receiver as our number two again a different type of receiver um i know another uh, wide receiver that we probably all like back in the day i mean i want another guy that's built like Dwayne Bow. That's I mean, exactly what I was thinking of when you said that. That's the exact that, name that came to my mind. That's the type of player that I think we need again. And if I'm going to say it, I've heard, I know a couple of people on Twitter that I talked to personally that have brought this name up. He's not to build a bow, but one guy keeps telling me that he really thinks that Juju's going to become a chief. Mm. And I don't know how I really feel about, but if that was to happen, that'd be really interesting. David, what do you, what do you think is going to happen with uh, Raider Nation when Juju does a TikTok video in the middle of uh, <laughs> the field in Vegas? Yeah, I'm honest, not so I, sure that uh, this team would really do anything about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard that rumor, so that's kind of interesting. I, that's the first I'm hearing about it. Um, but going back to Watkins for a second, I kind of interesting. I looked up, so according to Stat Muse. In 32 career games with Sammy Watkins, Mahomes has a 107.8 passer rating. And in 14 games without him has a 110.7 passer rating. So he actually has a better passer rating without Sammy Watkins. So people were saying, oh, he plays better with him. Stats at least show that he doesn't. So that kind of takes that to start out. But Sammy Watkins can't be on the field. His 
uh, making nine million next year. That number cannot be near what it is right now. I mean, I'm okay if he wants to stay on the team for pennies on the dollar, but other than that, yeah, he's gone. Nicole Hardman. Now, I think people were getting frustrated all season because they were like, okay, um, Sammy Watkins is out. Why is McCall Hardman not stepping in? Because that that side of the field was used for not the speed receiver. They would use Tyreek Hill kind of in the slot or they'd put him on the one side. That side was kind of the the more of the possession receiver side. So if any single time that Sammy Watkins wasn't playing, Demarcus Robinson would arc, would occupy that more. And it would be when Tyreek Hill wouldn't play, that's when Nicole Hardman would step in to kind of fill his role. And with Nicole Hardman, I, I get a lot of things wrong. I'll be the first to admit that. I, I predict things wrong. I was very pissed that year because, I, I like Mike was saying, I 100% get why they made the pick because they thought they were going to lose Tyreek Hill. But I was screaming for them to draft DK Metcalf. I was screaming at my TV. I said, this guy is going to be a monster. I don't care what a three-cone drill says. I said, this guy is going to be a beast. And again, I get tons of things wrong. But that's one of the things I just sit back and imagine. I'm like, you have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and DK Metcalf. <laughs> what could have been? Wow. Yeah. That's almost unfair. I almost feel like, you know, like David Stern blocking that trade. <laughs> like, that, that's where we need to, that, that would have had to happen. Can't have that. Yeah. Uh, Dan, I want to stick with wide receivers. And actually, we'll just, we're talking about free agency. We're talking about moves that they, that they can make. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's name was brought up. A name that uh, Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic, he brought up a couple of interesting names that I'll toss out. Corey Davis. As potentially coming in. I mean, he obviously had a really good la year last year. Um, he mentioned Deshaun Jackson, which I thought was like kind of a weird fit, but maybe talk about that a little bit. And Curtis Samuel, he's been really popular on a lot of these shows. A lot of people really would like Curtis Samuel, but uh, it doesn't have to be them. Maybe it's somebody else. What are you thinking about in terms of adding wide receivers? So I'm going to go ahead and cross some things off at the start. I'm going to big no to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. He is not a guy I want on this team. I don't think he can improve them. And I think he's going to command more than he's worth. He's a big slot receiver. He cannot really do much on the outside. Can't stretch the field vertically. He's not a guy they have. The slot receiver they have is McCole Hardman. That's who he is. He can't play against physicality. But the one thing he can do is play in the slot. And that's the reason he's not stepping in as number two, because he's a slot wide receiver. Chiefs got that wrong. He doesn't have the frame to play on the outside, and it's very clear that he does not even really fully understand the concept of running routes in the NFL. you got to <laughs> run through your routes always, 100% of the time, instead of looking behind you and slowing down. So there, there's that. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I get just because of the Andy Reid stuff, but again, no old, injured. I'm no, not interested even in the slightest bit. Curtis Samuel has been the guy I have circled X everything on my sheet for the free agent list, 100%, because not only can he can play out of the slot, he can be a running back, he can also win on the outside. There's this rumor going around Twitter, I don't know who started it, that Curtis Samuel can't run routes, which is provably untrue. He's so very, he's an extremely good route runner. He can attack the field at all three levels, deep, middle, short, he can do it all. He can come in and play running back, and you can split out Clyde Edwards-Hilaire wide. That's something that that would really improve the, the way that the Chiefs attack defenses. Now, I know we all talked last year, specifically me, about getting Clyde into more of attacking linebackers. He's a very good route runner. He can create space against pretty much anybody you line up against him, and it wasn't utilized enough. If you put him out there in the slot with Curtis Samuel in the backfield, 
Like, what are we doing here? This offense would be ridiculous. What, what are you going to do as a defense? Would you say, oh, well, we're done now. They're just going to put up 50 a game. That's the one thing that I want for this, this offense. If you can't get anybody else, find a way to bring Curtis Samuel to Kansas City. Yeah, what, what do you guys think? Any, any other uh, – do any of those wide receivers jump out or um, you agree Curtis Samuel is like plan A? Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, I mean, I'm curious to see what Dan wants – says about Corey Davis because that's intriguing, but I don't know how I really feel about that. Yeah, I, I mean, the Corey Davis thing only scares me because he's already shown how injured prone he is, and we already had an injury prone wide receiver this year, so I I would stay away from Corey Davis. But I am very intrigued with Curtis Samuel, especially with Dan kind of highlighting a lot of different things they could do with him. And this year, you kind of saw when Christian McCaffrey's not on the field, and he actually got a chance to get oh, some man. targets for once. Like you can see the talent that's there; you just got to get him the ball. And you know Andy Reid will make sure he gets the ball, especially if he stepped in. We, you know, Demarcus Robinson's not back. Sammy Watkins isn't back. There's a lot of targets that are vacated with that because Mahomes likes to look for Sammy Watkins and like to look for Demarcus Robinson. So I, I would just, I, I, Dan, part of what Dan was talking about, selling me, and then just imagining again all the things Andy could do with him. I think Curtis Samuel has to be the number one target. Go ahead, Mike. I totally agree. I mean, yeah. More targets, the better. And if Hardman's not going to be that wide receiver that we all thought and hoped he could be, get Samuel in there and put, plug him in and have Hardman just be the trick-free weapon and go from there. So you've got Tyreek Hill, obviously. You've got Travis Kelsey. It, like, you would think there's enough uh, pass attempts and enough, you know, you got Pat Mahomes lighting it up that there would be enough room for a – a wide receiver too, like a third option. Like who's most like, like even if it is Curtis Samuel or whoever your favorite, you know, we haven't talked, talked about the rookies yet. We'll talk about them, but like, can that third option be a reliable fantasy option for us? Like Dan, what do you think about like, wh why hasn't Mahomes been able to produce, produce like that third, like really reliable guy for us in fantasy yet? So I'll, I'll tell you guys why you, you watched last year. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey were still decimating defenses throughout the entire season. Defenses did not do what Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl, which is take them away. They just continued to allow them to destroy defenses. And so Patrick Mahomes, and in my opinion, got a little bit tunnel visioned. He, he, mm -hmm. he always knew he had the ability to go to them when he wanted to. Travis mm -hmm. Kelsey gets open whenever he wants. And Tyreek Hill is just a guy that you can always get to in his progressions like he was just always there it was one two and he didn't really have to go to that third option that much but feeling the way that they watched that that super bowl happen tampa bay did exactly what you would have expected a defense to do take away those two options and force you to go to your third option sammy watkins wasn't able to get open because he was injured and it was very obvious which leads me to my frustration point about the super bowl <laughs> they didn't involve clyde enough in the past game you need to spread them out. If you're not going to block with extra linemen with more tight end, if you're just going to let five offensive linemen block, get Clyde out of there anyway. Let him run routes against linebackers because you can't have Devin White and uh, – I, I forget his name like 95% of the time. Um, I can see his face, the li other linebacker, besides Devin White for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, shoot. I should so, is that Whitehead? Oh, no, Levante oh. David. Levante yeah. David. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For some yeah. reason, – David just completely ellipses escapes my mind. So neither of them can both shut down Ty uh, Travis Kelsey and Clyde Rosalier. They needed to do that more often. But a wide receiver in this coming year, 
defenses are going to play more physical at the line of scrimmage with Travis Kelsey and with Tyree Kill. They're going to try and take them away. Mm-hmm. Now Mahomes is going to have to line up a lot of the receivers like he does normally. Look to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill first, but always know that that third receiver where he needs to be because he's going to start doing that more often in this season to get those plays and to force defenses to alter what they do because if you don't guard that third receiver now going forward, that's where he's going to hurt you instead of always hurting you with the one and two option. I want to come back and talk about the running backs because obviously that's a big point that um, that we need make sure that we hit on because there's a lot there. But uh, the draft, I, like I, Dan, I, I, and I know you just talked, but I want to go right back to you with being with the astronauts. Like, is there like, I, I assume if you're going to make some moves on the offensive line, it's got to be through, uh, through free agency. I mean, there's not going to be like, I guess maybe huge difference makers where you guys are picking or do you disagree with that? I, I have some disagreements. I think that the interior for the, the Chiefs outside of center is going to be relatively the same. They have options with Allegretti because he can also play center. So if they want to take a guard slash center that, that can play like Landon Dickerson, for example, I know he's got some injury issues, but you, you've got him or Creed Humphrey that could actually come in and be a starting center and be an immediate upgrade to what they have, what they've had in right of the last two years. And, and obviously Eric Fisher's tackle position is going to be of an area of, of note, there's going to be some tackles that fall some left tackles specifically that fall to them at 31. And I think Tevin Jenkins is an option that could fall there. He has interior as well as tackle versatility. He's also one of the strongest tackles in this class. And a lot of people kind of overlook him because he's not Penny Sewell. He's not Rashawn Slater. He's not Christian Derisaw. He's not Elijah Vera Tucker, who I also love as tackle, by the way, I know that he's slated as an interior like he's going to be a guard. I think he can 100% be a tackle in the NFL. But I, I think that Tevin Jenkins is an option. Um, Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame is an option too that can come in. He's probably got the highest floor of the tackles in this class. He can come in and be a starter right away, but his upside is limited. He's pretty much a starting center, uh, starting tackle right now. So if they want to tr- possibly trade back in the first round, my personal favorite would be to trade back a little bit probably no later than 40 around that area and you're still going to be able to get some of those centers like creed humphrey or landon dickerson right there and that's really what they're going to have to do in my opinion to upgrade the offensive line if that's where they're going to go mike do you think uh andy reed can shock the world with a with an offensive skill position player again at the back end of the first round i honestly i hope not because i think we have way too many needs Besides another skill, I completely agree with Dan on the offensive line, but one position, I know it's a defense. I know it's not a skill position, but I really want another middle linebacker like we used to have. I mean, we need – we need a linebacking core is not great. I mean, you got Neiman and – I mean, Hitchens is getting older. Um, Wilson's not that – I mean, he's serviceable. But when Neiman is one of your top three linebackers, I mean, he probably would have been the fifth or sixth linebacker on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that Super Bowl, and he's our number two or three. Um, I would, I mean, I like Zayvon Collins if he could fall to thirty-one, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, back to the offensive line, real quick. I mean, I heard that Orlando Brown from Baltimore wants to be traded. I mean, I would love to make that kind of a pick, that kind of a trade, and give Baltimore the thirty-one. But I, I agree with Dan where. I think we need to go O-line and just get the best available offensive lineman in that far line. David, what are you hoping happens in the draft for your team? 
Yeah, I mean, they kind of touched on it. I think they're going to draft the position we need. They don't. We don't need skill position players right now. And it's kind of funny. I, I kind of wish I, I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire a lot. I'm a big Javante Williams guy, and I was really hoping that you know you'd come some way work into the system. But I said that's not kind of where we need to go. But um, yeah, offensive line. I, I was just kind of looking at one of the sites and just looking at a bunch of the linemen there. A lot of them are have the one to two grade besides the guy from Oregon. So like. Again, I, I think that's they know that's what we need to address. I'm sure they actually talked to Patrick Mahomes, which I think is people don't realize they talked to him about the Clyde Edwards Hilaire pick. So I think he's going to be a little voice in their ear and being like, guys, you got to protect me. And they're, they're going to take the best O lineman available. Or maybe, like Mike says, maybe they make a trade for an established one, kind of like we did with Frank Clark, how we traded our, our picks to get. Uh, Frank Clark, who was established at that position of needs. So maybe we trade the 31st pick for an established player at that position. So I, I think I think Brett Veach knows that. I think Mahomes will make sure he knows that. And I would be shocked if they went anywhere else. David, did did Andy Reid make the wrong selection last year? With Clyde? Mm-hmm. I was a big Clyde guy, and I'm still a big Clyde guy. He's the perfect fit for this offense. He catches the ball so well, which is perfect for an Andy Reid offense. I like uh, you know, like Dan was saying, I think before uh <laughs> that like they just have to throw him the ball like i, I think it, and dan kind of touched on it too it's like the super bowl is just even more frustrating because you saw what brady did if the pressure came there he just dumped it off to leonard fournette because they basically brought everybody just dumped it off leonard Fournette was able to get 10 15 yards it's like all right if there's coming with so much pressure and they're focusing so much on tyree kill and travis kelsey it's like all right then they can't cover him coming out of the flat like or let like do a, a run a screen with him, do something where you're getting the ball out quick. And I think that they will address that this offseason. They're gonna make sure he's more involved. And Damian Williams, too, I think he'll be heavily involved. He catch the ball. Um, so I, I think that will be the big thing that they'll address. They'll upgrade on the offensive line in the draft. I'm sure they'll bring a ton of bodies in there and they're gonna make sure the running backs get more involved. Mike, what do you think? Right pick, Clyde Edwards Alaire, is that your guy? I like Clyde, but at the time, I was really upset they didn't get DeAndre Swift. But I understand why Mahomes would want a type of player like CEH compared to Swift. I just, I'm worried about CEH inside the 10 yard line. It's every single time he got the ball at the goal line, he just couldn't punch it in at the beginning of the year. And I'm afraid that could continue. But I completely agree with what Dan and Dave said earlier. They need to use him more in the passing game and use his skill set because they didn't use it all the time, partly because of scheme. And you guys saw way more of his uh, carries than I did. Like I, I feel like for the rest of Clyde's career, he'll be considered not a good goal line back because of that first opening game that everybody watched, and he, you know, got stuffed like four times in a row. Uh, Dan, is that your takeaway for him? I mean, obviously, you mentioned they need to throw throw him the ball more. That's an area where clearly I thought he, I thought he, he could easily have 60, 65 catches last year. Has the talent to do so, and he had 30, uh, 36. So, yeah, so more. my thing about Clyde is the Chiefs. Offensive line was 31st in the NFL in run blocking win percentage. 31st. Mm. That's one. You can't get pushed in the front in the fir- in the, within five yards. What do you think a running back's going to do? What, what's he supposed to do? He's going to make a guy miss in the backfield and then get, get stuffed in one yard going forward. So that's first thing. Clyde is a great back. He was actually a, fr- a fringe RB1 before they brought in Le'Veon Bell. That was with 
as the offense operating as it was with that bad of an offensive line. So he was still getting the production required to be an RB1 in fantasy without Le'Veon Bell there. Now, obviously, you go and get him because he's a guy you can have as a, a running back, too, to help him move along as uh, as, a, as a rookie. And also, just in case he, he can't get some of those tougher yards, which I think that he proved against the Denver Broncos, he 100% can. Uh, that run that he had at the 11-yard line, he ran through three tackles, and then he just drugged defenders into the end zone. So, again, he's he can do these things. But I think you need to shore up the offensive line. The interior that we've talked about so much is not – they don't get pushed. They don't get a lot of traditional push up front. And he's a guy that's going to be next year. He's going to be a top five, top ten running back in fantasy. I just – I 100% believe he will yeah david i was gonna go to you because you you've mentioned damian williams a couple times i'm not sure you're 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 as confident in his uh fantasy upside i like clyde a lot actually i actually before the season before even damian williams opted out i said clyde edwards is going to be a top five ppr back because i thought he was going to get the ball so much thrown to him and i mean 55 catches in his last year at lsu so i was like he's going to be utilized right away and he's going to go in there and i I, not that he was going to be kareem hunt but i was like i could see him getting Cream Hunt usage by the end of the season. Uh, I, I'm a fully believer in him, and I think people forget he's the, actually the same height and weight as Maurice Jones Drew, like mm-hmm. to a T. So it's like Maurice Jones Drew can do it; he can do it as well. I think people forget that he's he's big at five seven. He's not Five's like a quicker. Yeah, <laughs> way quicker. <laughs> yeah, so like again, he can handle the toll, and you could see he breaks tackles, like Dan was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Like he he's not a one hit and he's down guy. It takes two or three hits. Before he goes down and you would see that yeah like he would get the ball he get hit in the backfield and it would be just be like lucky he'd get back to the line of scrimmage so I, I do think you have to give him more of a chance they're going to address the o-line and then you I, this is the perfect time to get him because his value is going to be so much lower and if you're in a dynasty league and people are kind of souring and everybody's talking about cam Akers and deandre swift and 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 rightfully so they're great backs but everybody's not talking about Clyde Edwards hilaire anymore and that's this is the time you can go get him I think it's a great point. I loved Mojo. Like I, everybody kept comping him to uh, Brian Westbrook last year, and I thought, nah, that's not quite the right one. I like early in 2019, he took a handoff or maybe caught a pass out of the backfield and was like bouncing off of people and like slippery the way Mojo was. And I was like, yeah, that looked. And I looked up the height and weight, and you're right. I mean, it's almost like the the same guy, yeah. mm-hmm. built the same way. Um, Mike, I'll give you la- the last word on the running backs. I mean, I agree with all what they have to say, but I will say I am interested to see what Damian Williams does when he comes back. I think we use him as the change of pace and just that second guy. I mean, I love Williams. I love Daryl and, you know, Thompson. But I think missing Damian Williams last year was the reason we had to go get Le'Veon Bell because we needed that extra guy, that that different type of skill set to help out CEH and I think with Williams and CEH this year, I think it's just gonna be that much of an improvement. Well, guys, I think that pretty much we, we've touched on the skill position guys there. That um, yeah, that we, we've got uh, Matt here, Damian Williams, Super Bowl MVP. I think that <laughs> you know that's true. I mean, he had an incredible game in that in, in that Super Bowl, but at like immediately they went and got Clyde Edwards Alaire. So I think they're you know they see something there. I'm with you, David. I think he's a great buyer right now. I definitely, um, I just inherited a orphan team that's got him on there, and I'm really happy about that. Uh, but I'll 
I'll let you guys go back around just um, one last time. Plug what you're working on. Well, where we can find you in the off season, and uh, and yeah, I'll start with you, Mike. All right. So you can obviously find me on Twitter at Chief Fan One Zero Zero Two. All my writing and stuff right now is over at GoingForTwo.com. I'm helping them with the redraft in the off season and mainly the dynasty right now. Doing rookie stuff and a bunch more to come later on this season. And on TikTok at <laughs> same TikTok is the same. <laughs> David, how about you? Are you uh, interviewing like Taylor Swift or um, uh, somebody like that soon? Well, so it's kind of funny. We're, we kind of followed your lead, not not on purpose, but we had Bob Harris last week. Adam Rank's supposed to be coming on this week. I know you talked to them pretty close together too. Love them, yeah. Uh, both great guys. Uh, hopefully Marcus Spears is coming on with us next month. So that will be, I mean, we're just going to be firing out, talking to a bunch of these guys and, and again, doing content, launching our website actually next week. So that's something we've been working on getting really excited for that. And again, we're just going to be pumping out a bunch of content as everybody here does. And everybody does such a great job of doing it. It's, it's fun. And um, I love connecting with you guys and, and everybody in the community. And, and thanks so much for inviting me to come on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you guys are doing awesome work. I, I think it was, was it JJ Zachariah you had on there where you were doing like The Bachelor or something? Or yeah. Something like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and your Peter Howard. The Peter Howard one was fantastic, man. That was like unbelievable interview. It oh, just was, him by himself is just a show. It's, it's he's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Dan, you're doing incredible work over there with the astronauts. What else you got going on? So I just want to plug one last thing. I think that if a guy like Terrence Marshall... Falls to the Chiefs at 31. Don't be surprised if they take him. <laughs> Don't be surprised. <laughs> and LSU connection is pretty strong. I mean, <laughs> yeah. history. I love, it really is. I love him, and I've got a first-round grade on him, like, solidly. I think he's great. So yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff, like I said, at the RGR Football Channel on YouTube. You can go find me on Twitter at D underscore harms 19. I, I put as much film up as I watch, like, every single day. The grind literally never stops. And every spare minute that I have, I'm watching film. So it's always an improvement. And, again, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff at the Fantasy Football Astronauts, not only in the offseason, but going into next year. we got a lot of content pop, pumping out. And that the, uh, the page, you can go and see all the cut-ups. They've done a great job of – putting a ton, a ton of cut-ups of, of just everybody in this offensive uh, draft. So you go check them out. You will not regret that. Yeah, fantastic work and certainly appreciate you coming on. Jeff certainly was uh, in your corner like, hey, if you do Chiefs, you got to have this guy on. So really appreciate your insight. Y'all, you guys were fantastic. This is the, why I love that is I like a bunch of things just jumped out to me that I wouldn't as a fan, as a fan of the Saints, you know, watching their games on Sunday, you know, I, I don't. I don't see every snap of the of the Chiefs. So hearing about the center and some of that stuff, like that's that makes me feel good about Clyde. That's exactly why we do these these shows for Dynasty Vipers. So for these guys, for Matt, for Dynasty Vipers, appreciate everybody and uh, stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed. We got a lot of great interviews. We do have James Coe tomorrow. That's going to be fantastic. Um, we have Scott Bogman next week. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Love Bogman. I yeah. love Bogman. I love Bogman, and uh, I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, the Welsh wasn't able to make it work with the schedule, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun just listening to Bogman. So, yeah, for these guys, you guys have a good night, and we will see you soon. <laughs>